0: I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things certified financial planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world. And also, we will be dropping in on some new entrants who have just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro, and. Today, we are talking about a very special person, talking with a very special person, um, and that is Rachel Howard from Rachel Howard Wealth Management. We're going to be talking about her journey through to gaining her Certified Financial Planner Certification. Welcome, Rachel.
1: Thank
0: you. Thanks for joining me today. So we are going to dive straight in and talk about, you know, your background, how you got into financial planning, um and then how you came across the CFP and most importantly for lots of our listeners what your journey was like battling through the case study as many people have talked about their individual challenges along the way and uh, you've been very kind to come on and talk about you know the things that happened to you along the way and also give lots of tips and hints and helpful advice to those people who are thinking about or about to embark on the process so let's start at the very beginning and tell us a little bit about how you got into the financial services profession
1: Okay. So, Jackie, yeah, my career spans over 35 years in the banking industry. uh, And I think the one thing that really led me to the financial planning profession uh, was around my last corporate role um, that I did. So, um, a directorship with Lloyds. uh, I was managing um, financial advisors, 168 of them with um, an area team and risk team and everything else that goes with it. I was very much removed from um, what was going on at at grassroots, but very tried to be very hands on with my profession. So I did manage to spend um, a bit of time with financial advisors and the importance of their roles and how they helped people um, and quickly um, became very interested um, in deeper detail as to the differences they were making in, in customers' clients' lives, and decided that at some point I would embark on um, uh, obtaining level four. Um, and so I think that's kind of where it, it first it first comes from and why I would go down that route. So that was about uh, that was about eight years ago.
0: Mm, very interesting. And then so after that. You know, obviously you enjoyed it so much that you decided to persist. And then, so then did you leave that, you know, kind of directorship role and become an advisor or...?
1: as I've said, because I was so removed from doing what I really wanted to do and make the difference in um, clients' lives, uh, you know, a role like that, you very much end up um, dealing with people, managing people all the time and, um, you know, problems, if you like. Uh, And I was too removed from doing what I wanted to do. So I decided I wanted my own business. And to do that, I needed to at least get my level four. So um, the directorship with Lloyd, In bank assurance, I left um, and decided at that point that I was going to go and uh, go back to studying. Um, you can probably tell by my voice that I am the older side of studying so at that time I was uh, late 40s decided that I wanted to get level four um, and then really it was a progression from level four with the goal uh, the goal that I set myself that I wanted to achieve uh, a fellowship Um, So that's where it's come from, a a vast um, array of jobs that I've done in the banking industry. So... You know, when I first left school going into, in fact, it was Lloyds Bank at that time as a cashier, pretty much most management roles, area management roles, national sales manager um, for a big corporate as well into the directorship. And that's really the directorship is the one that really made me think, do you know what? I'm ready now. I want to start my own business and become
0: um, a financial planner. So, tell us a bit about the challenges that you faced, you know, setting up your business after pivoting into, uh, you know, more directly helping clients. How did you find clients and how, you know, what were your early experiences like?
1: Yeah, so I guess um, I, when I started my business, I bought um uh, a third of a practice so um I bought clients that I already knew um to start my business off so I what I did I had um uh, a plan that I wanted to uh, really kind of Love those clients, if you like, do some, you know, good reviews, spend a lot of time with them, understand their needs and, and what made them tick. And I quickly understood that um, a certain bank of my clients liked golf. Um, and uh, my ladies weren't loved as much either in the industry that we're in, it's very male dominated. So um, the ladies needed a bit of loving as well. So What I decided to do was to kick my business off is that I started um, presenting investment seminars. So I would construct these myself, do it at a nice venue. So golf, as an example, um, I I would do an investment seminar where I would ask my clients to come along um, and bring guests with them um and they'd have a nice game of golf and then we'd have a, a chat and a presentation so um it, it takes a certain person to get up there and do something like that um i had a lot of experience from my previous roles so i'd done a lot of presenting um over the years and decided that actually this was much nicer because i could tailor exactly what i wanted to say use my knowledge and um, use the level 4 qualification that i'd got and really just kind of um uh, uh, talk to them from the heart about how i wanted to work with people and make a difference um, and how I could possibly help them um, achieve their financial objectives. So just a short, sharp presentation, then will get to know me. Um, but the guests that came along to these golf events quickly understood what I was about, what, what I would do, and it grew from there. So subsequent events would be those guests would then bring along new guests and that that's how it grew and I still do that now uh, and my ladies I do ladies events um, with them as well so I pick a really nice venue um, and I do a presentation um, about the key topics that are going on the things that people are interested in that they want to hear talk about markets and talk about the economy um, and then literally is again they bring guests along and that's how I grow my business so yes it was very very challenging but I had to draw on pre this experience of my roles um you know in the past so yeah
0: and I I think it's great isn't it that there are so many transferable skills that we all have and we think I think you know when I remember I am just about remember starting my first job and gaining a few skills and think I used to think to myself well I can only use it in this job but actually there's so many things that you gain through experience in life that you can apply all over the place you know in personal life as well as all sorts of different you know business areas aren't there you know yeah. and I think having those speaking skills gives you that extra confidence um at you know to, like you say to be able to get up because it takes a lot of courage uh to be able to get up in front of a group of people and speak from the heart especially because you're kind of, you know, exposing yourself in the nicest sense of the word, um, you know, to get people to know you, aren't you?
1: Yeah, you have to be confident. You have to do your homework. Uh, you have to know your stuff. as long as as you 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 do that then you'll be fine um because to be fair um the majority of people will only absorb about 20 percent of what you say anyway so um that's why i say keep it short sharp um you know i used to i pick about three different topics that people want to hear about um and it's just enough to put food for thought in their minds that they go away and think yeah do you know what i need to speak to rachel
0: yeah yeah excellent excellent so then let's talk about your journey to gaining your certified financial planner how did you so you sat the level six exam first which is part one of the two-part process isn't it how yes. did you find that did you did you go on a course for that or you know you've got I guess you've got the workbooks and things and delving yeah. about in those how was that experience uh
1: I didn't I didn't go on a course um for that one uh I decided that uh, I would do the studying myself Of course at that time um, we had the challenges of, of COVID and the pandemic so um, I did although the business kept going um, and I did uh, I was running the business I did have more time um, to do that so the work the work study and the work workbooks that is something I literally just um worked through myself and broke down um into the different sections and you know it's a bit um having the post-it notes everywhere you know um the Janet and John style approach of um studying and you know making sure you're kind of um remembering everything so the post-it notes were all around the house (laughs) <laughs> of various different things that I needed to um make sure that you know uh the analogies that I would use to remember certain sections certain parts of it because it's it's very in-depth um of course it would be and uh practice papers and things like that so I managed to get hold of some of those um, and just literally um, going over and over and over um the work uh
0: then to sit the exam Great. Great. And obviously you went straight through that one, as a little brain box that you are. And then what happened after that? Did you go straight on to get the level seven case study or did you pause for a quarter or two?
1: I paused um, for uh, a little while. Um, I did pause for, for a quarter um, and that was because I had a few personal issues um, that were going on. So I decided to do that and then I went straight in to do the, uh, the next one the level seven
0: level yeah. seven so tell us all about that how did you? Know, what was the process like how did you you know what what areas were particularly tricky for you
1: okay so the first thing that I would say um with the level seven um be very quick off the mark to get support and help around you <laughs> um I think the, the biggest thing that massively helped me, um, with all of that was, uh, what you offer Jackie, um, with Lockheed Consultants around, um, the courses that you can do to help you through that, yeah. um, do not underestimate the spreadsheets, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, those lovely spreadsheets, yes. um. So um, do not underestimate any of that. And I think um, it's the planning, you know, being able to plan your time. Uh, you have to be quick off the mark off that one. I cannot um explain enough around making sure that you plan, you break it down into sections and you plan your time with how you how much you can allow over those 10 that 10-week ten period of. Each section, breaking it down and moving on to the next section, Um, not cutting corners because you literally have to live and breathe it for that amount of time. It is so consuming. Do not underestimate the amount of work that goes into it. So, um, yeah, the one thing that massively helped me was getting booked onto a course um, with yourself um, pretty quickly. Uh, and doing as much work before you get onto that course as well with you so you've got pre learning that you can do etc cetera, etc cetera. just get your head straight into it um 10 weeks sounds a
0: long time but it's not yeah, it goes by in a flash doesn't it totally, and when yeah. get into the weeds of the whole thing and yeah. you know the that process of You know, I think it's particularly tricky with the Level 7 case study, which is what makes it Level 7, is dealing with more than one client objective at the same time, isn't it? Because I think in your case study, there were four different objectives that you're grappling with all at the same time. And I think some of our discussions, it was interesting how we were discussing about how, you know, that unintentional impact of spending money in one area. And then all of a sudden, you know, you think, oh, yikes, right, actually, I've just made It's had an impact on the next area that I was going to look at. And then kind of we question ourselves whether it's the first bit of advice we've given or we intend to give is actually the right one. And, you know, you can spend quite a lot of time going round and round in all of that, can't you?
1: Yeah totally um there's a lot of research that is needed on lots of different areas and very often you think oh yeah do you know what i've got the wind beneath my wings i'm doing really well here you know uh and then all of a sudden something will crop up and you'll think oh i didn't think about that and the impact of that have on the other areas that you're looking at as well and all of a sudden you've got to change your spreadsheets or you've got to change the direction that you're going in or you need to input something else into the spreadsheets because there's tax changes that you'd forgotten about or um, that now applies that didn't apply yeah, <laughs> yep. exactly, exactly that it's that knock-on effect do not underestimate um the the time that all of that takes
0: you know uh, yeah Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that as most people, you seem to, we we spent on the course, we spent quite a long time grappling with spreadsheets, didn't we? And everybody's the same. And then, you know, there's there's this kind of urge that you kind of need to feel that you want to write something up or start writing a plan because you kind of think that you have an idea of what the solutions might be. And like you say, sometimes you're, you know, that ends up being a red herring and can kind of distract you, can't it? you of got, got to trust the process and let those numbers do the talking.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I think also another good thing is um, if you're getting just too bogged down in one particular area with the detail, sometimes it's good to say, do you know what, I'm just going to take a couple of hours away or an afternoon off. Um go and take the dog for a walk or whatever you do um just breathing space away um or you know a good night's sleep and then literally just pick it back up um uh refreshed and sometimes you look at things and you think yes of course it's that why didn't I see that yeah. um you know I think uh you can get very uh, hooked up on the detail in one particular section and before you know it, the time is
0: going on and you've not even started another section, you know. Yes, and then Jackie's saying to you, right, now you should be here and you go, yikes, I'm not. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And so going through all of that process, do you have a feel of roughly how long it took you to get, you know, from the start to the very end of passing?
1: Oh, well in excess of 200 hours well in excess of that um I think um I'm probably more of a person that I'm more of a planner and I like to give myself more time than perhaps the average person would Um, I like to check things um and I was running out of all that kind of time even though I supposedly allowed myself time so well in excess of 200 hours yeah easily Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's quite a mammoth tar- task, isn't it? To you yeah. know get through all of that. And then to, you know, by the time you've got to the end of your spreadsheets, you're kind of running out of steam and then you've still got to write everything up. And then when you write everything up, you still got to write it up to your own satisfaction to say what you want to say. Um, and then all that kind of seemed to take longer when you're already kind of running out of energy and running out of time.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I think that's the one part of it that I did underestimate is that the write up and how long that would take. And I thought um, I should have allowed more time for that. Um, And also the cutting of the spreadsheets of you will end up with loads of spreadsheets and then you have to pick out the ones that you know um will need to show everything that you need in your particular plan and even the cutting of the spreadsheets and making sure that you know they're readable, they're the right size. Do not underestimate any of that. You can just spend a day literally making sure you've got the right spreadsheets and they're being cut into the right part of your plan Um, because everything has to be done in a particular way. In a word document you can't go over your page count it has to be done in a particular font you have to be able to read your spreadsheets <laughs> yes. you know so um do not underestimate any of that um and the write-up. And sometimes you can get to the write-up and you can think, God, uh, I need to put something else in or I need to do that, um, you know, and then you think, well, if I do that, then it's going to impact on another section. No, I'm going to leave it out. Or no, then you sleep on it and think, no, I need to put it in. <laughs> you know, It's like, um, yeah.
0: yeah, just just do not underestimate the time that it takes to do the write-up. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so looking back now what you know you've you sent your first submission in what happened
1: Oh okay so my first submission I didn't pass it first time Yes uh,
0: so but
1: <laughs> my my first submission um so are you referring to the uh, the bit where the examiner didn't
0: read one section properly Yes well and i think that yeah. as i recall you got 50% in two sections and you need 51 to pass.
1: Yeah so i had so there was a couple of hiccups that i had so um i literally um it was 50 marks in uh, yeah it was a couple of sections that i had um and i needed 51 so, um, you know, you can't get closer than that and you're sort of kicking yourself. But, you know,
0: hey, yeah, I was nearly <laughs> coming round to, to do yeah, that as well. On,
1: you <laughs> know, press on. So um, I had an ad hoc chat with you that kind of, you know, put things in pers- to perspective as you do and uh, just revisited those particular areas. Uh, I did the resubmission for that and that in itself um can be quite quite time consuming because I decided actually I'm not just going to do a bit of rework that just takes me over the line I'm going to have a real good go at this and push as I said I have personal issues going on um in the background so um to get where I got I, I was I was pretty happy with myself anyway so it was just that final push for me um to get over the line, but I did over and above. Um, I'll share with everybody that the marks came back and I failed in one one particular section I still had 50 marks instead of 51 yet I'd done all the rework and it's like oh what's happened there so I challenged it back um because I felt sure you get this gut feel with how you think you've done and I felt sure that I'd done everything and There was one area that came back, but I had 100% in, um, which I thought, gosh, that's almost like unheard of. Um, How can I get that in one area? And the rework that was submitted came back and I still only have 50 marks. So I challenged it back um, to the CISI. Um, And three weeks of suspended, um, not knowing what was going on, they re-looked at my work and I ended up having a letter of apology from the examiner um, saying that they didn't read through all of my rework and decided that I'd scored 89 points in that section and not 50. So um, in actual fact, I had passed um, yeah, I had passed that. So it took my over my overall mark. Um I think my overall mark was in the late 70s, eighties. So um which is yeah, which is absolutely fine. But um yeah, I had that three week period of not <laughs> knowing. Um yes was a little bit stressful i have to say but yeah so um uh yeah so uh it wasn't unexpected the first time round because as i said personal issues and everything else going on
0: i kind of felt quite pleased with where i got but yeah yes well i can certainly remember hearing from you that you'd got 50% in those two sections and I was like I'm going to come around there and give you a talking to Um, but (laughs) you were so close to passing but I think you know your journey highlights that you know I think it's still it's you know obviously it's achievable you've achieved it and actually your determination you knew that you'd made those changes and, you know, that mistakes do happen. Um, we, you know, we're all human, I guess. And for whatever reason, that section was missed, which is a real shame um, because obviously it left you, you know, high and dry for those three weeks while you were waiting, but, you know, got the right result in the end, which I think is the most important thing out of all of this. And so now looking back on all of that journey, you um, Has it changed the way at all that you approach clients giving advice? Uh, You know, obviously that was very fictitious in the artificial world and now giving advice to, you know, real people, um, continuing to give advice to real people. How has any of that experience gaining your CFP changed your views or approach at all?
1: Oh, without a doubt in terms of um, the knowledge, the the depth, um, breadth of knowledge when i go and see clients and and uh how you approach things yeah totally um it's it's a huge huge challenge but the difference that it's made with um my clients um business levels you know uh everything absolutely um uh it it's just in the confidence as well um that uh you know when when you've kind of got that badge um that people recognize that actually you should know what you're talking about um you know it, it is that badge that you know the events as an example in my business when I present in the events um they can see what i've done they can see the work that i've done and um the confidence when you're talking about things and you know yeah it comes from the heart and um the presenting um i don't i get a little bit i always get a little bit when i'm going to stand up and talk but you know um it's fine because actually you do you do know that you know it and you do know that what you're talking about so um yeah the confidence has just been um unbelievable Uh, and the fact that people recognize what you've done and what you've achieved so your business levels naturally
0: will increase because of what you've done yeah yeah that's fantastic that's great to hear great to hear and so we're nearly out of time already Rachel but I just wanted to close by asking you one last question and Mm -hmm. that is Could you give us some advice to all of those people who are thinking about starting the CFP journey or maybe they're about to do it in in November, which is the next window, or maybe in 2024, making that on their business plan to achieve that for next year. What advice would you give them?
1: I would say so. First of all, Make sure that you get um, some support on hand, Um, and whatever that looks like, I would 100% recommend your services, Jackie. Thank Um, you. With what you offer, I can absolutely categorically say, without a doubt, I would not have passed without your support. Um, I think that the courses are. they're good you can stop start courses revisit everything that you do um all the the dreaded spreadsheets you know <laughs> um if you're getting stuck with any of that you can revisit it all because it's it's all there for you to have access to and beyond with all of that so if you don't get past first time you've still got access to all of that revisit all of that i would not have done it without um without that support um make sure that they maximise on the one-to-one sessions with you as well. Um, I did that several times and that was extremely helpful. Um, Secondly, I'd say plan your time. Um, the minute you receive um, your case study, just plan out your time of those 10 weeks and start from day one. Don't leave it and think, oh, I'm fine. It's 10 weeks. Do not underestimate the time that it takes. Um, and I think uh, make sure that you do not cut corners um, on any section either. So you have to score across the board, as we know, it's a minimum of 51 across every section. Um, Do not cut corners on any of those sections or do not leave one section to the last minute. And then um, you've only got um, so many hours to kind of put together inheritance tax planning. As an example, you know, just just make sure you you plan that. Do not cut corners. Um, And then I would say, take time if you can plan time in to uh, take a bit of a breather take a bit of a breather um if it's a day if it's a weekend if you can afford that time just to kind of get a bit of a clear head on things um make sure you have your sticky notes and everything around the house so if something suddenly comes into your head you need to write it down do that but just take a breather so that you can then collaborate all of your notes go back fresh and look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. And that massively helps because you can just get so drawn into the detail in one particular section. And before you know it, you've lost hours, um, which you could have spent and moved on to another section
0: rachel it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences or the highs and lows of everything but also more importantly lots of great tips and advice for anybody looking to begin their journey to become a certified financial planner thanks very much for joining me
1: oh you're welcome thank you jackie
0: really interesting, isn't it, to listen to different people who have different experiences of gaining their certified financial planner certification, or maybe developing the financial planning profession at large. If you know anybody who you think might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, then please do pass on our details. That's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. See you again soon. Bye for now.